Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip-and-zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. All right, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Jacob Coons. Now, Jacob reached out to me and he's like, Dude, I have a YouTube channel where I just kind of compare and review a whole bunch of different products, right? And so we talk about uh, how he uh, reviews his, you know, does his product reviews in, in this the hunting industry, the hunting space. Um, there's two kind of main focuses today on uh, some of the latest uh, reviews that he that he's done, and that's puffy jackets and hunting apps, right? So we talk about. Uh, um, brands like Sitka and I believe Kuyu and First Light and then off-brand like non not necessarily hunting brands like um, Columbia and Eddie Bauer and things like that uh, then we start talking about uh, uh, companies like as far as the hunting app is concerned we start talking about HuntStand, uh, Onyx, what else do we talk about, um, Spartan Forge and then some of the other uh, hunting apps that are out there it's a good it's a it's a great conversation man we there's a lot we talk about in the space of like direct to consumer right and and uh one thing that i've kind of noticed is that direct to consumer the used to be hey man we save we're saving money you know because we're going direct to consumer because they don't have a middleman thus you know they don't need to you know have as big a margins between what they sell it for because there's there's only one sale it's not two sales and so um but what we've kind of noticed is that direct to consumer is just the same price as everything else it's just direct to consumer meaning their margins are way bigger uh, than the other companies i mean they're meaning they're making more money and it's smart i mean can't can't fault them for doing it especially if they're successful uh, but this is kind of one thing we talk about. On top of that, we talk about, you know, how Jacob kind of does his reviews. We talk about what he looks for in products that he's purchasing or how, you know, the, the products that we want to do or that he wants to do reviews on. Uh, I forgot we talk about headlamps, things like that. Uh, it's a really good BS conversation about hunting gear and equipment. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, before we get down to the brass tacks, though, we are going to do, what do we got here? Oh, we got uh, Tethered. If you're looking for a saddle man, go check out Tethered. Tethered is one of those uh, companies that has built a really good community around its product. And they do that by having top-notch saddles, saddle hunting accessories, platforms, climbing sticks. But uh, the community that they've created around their brand really is focused on helping you become a better hunter helping you become more educated in the world of saddle hunting and it's just awesome to see so go check out tetherednation.com uh, we have hunt stand 
you know, we talk we talk about hunt stand today and uh, where they ranked in his review and it's towards the top i think you'll be pleasantly surprised and uh, all the functionality that goes along with hunt stand i mean hunt stand for the value you know that they for the price that they charge to have a membership and the functionality that comes along with it the value is just amazing Right? So they, you know, the, all the maps and all the satellite imagery, you hear us talk about that today. Um, so huge shout out to HuntStand, HuntStand.com. And then last but not least is Tacticam, right? So if you're the type of person who likes to document their hunts, so you can go back and show your kids, so you can go back and show your wife if she didn't believe you, you saw the, the Michigan 30-point buck, then... Uh, then and it's just awesome to save that, go back and say, hey, I saw that buck last year. Or, hey, man, I think I, I I'm not sure where I hit this deer. Uh, I'm going to review the footage and then it's going to tell me if I should wait or if I should go back and uh, uh, start tracking immediately. So uh, go check out Tacticam, the new 6.0 version. What do they have that has an LCD screen It records in 4K? It has image stabilization. And uh, man, that's uh, that's that's cool. So go check it out if you're into action cams and things like that. So uh, Tacticam, go check them out. And that's it. Let's get into today's. I guess we're gonna call it a kind of like a BS hunting session where we talk about puffy jackets, we talk about hunting apps, and much more with Jacob Coons. Hopefully, you guys enjoy. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, joining us on the Hunting Gear Podcast, Mr. Jacob Coons. Jacob, man, what's up? Uh, not much, Dan. I appreciate you having me. It's um, uh, I'm just ready for, I mean, I hate to wish for the fall to get here, but I'm just chomping at the bit to, to, to you know, to get out west or to hunt whitetails or, you know, just to, to shoot, you know, do all that stuff. But, right. but things are going good here. Yeah. How about you? I'm doing good, man. It's currently raining. It went from last week to 70s and 80s here in Iowa, just like the the perfect weather. No humidity, uh, just gorgeous. You know, you can feel the warmth on the back of your neck type of days. And then now it's back down into the 40s and 50s. And uh, the next handful of days, it's going to be raining. And uh, But that only means that when the mushrooms come, I'll be ready for them. Mm, okay. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I used to live in Iowa. I've bounced around a little bit. I live in Kentucky now. I know there are, I have a few friends that are sort of in the mushroom game. I, that's not, that's not my game. I haven't played that game, but, yeah. uh, you should play do, it. Do you have your, you, you should play your it. spots. <laughs> do you have your spots marked on like, uh, your mapping system? Oh and yeah. Stuff? Like, well, I don't even trust wait. the mapping systems for my mushroom spots. Okay. Uh, oh. I, they're all right here. They're all in the in the head. So when I die, they die. I don't share them with anybody. I don't oh, share. Oh wow! It's it's crazy. Like uh, I don't know about you, but you know, a guy will talk about his hunting spots a little bit. He'll talk about you know where he's seen a big buck. He'll talk about uh, you know for the most part. There are some guys who are just you know sealed lips and things like that. But it, when it comes to mushroom hunting, I've found that the people who take mushroom hunting really serious they don't share spots. They don't share 
any information with anybody. They'll go, they'll clean house, and then it's almost like they're Navy SEALs, man. They go into the woods, and you never, you never even know they were there, other than maybe you'll run across a whole bunch of mushroom stems that have been already mm-hmm. been picked. But uh, where did you used to live when you were in Iowa? I lived in uh, Davenport. I was uh, yep. it was right out of college. It was a while. Ago. It was a long time ago. And I had sort of was I mean, talk about the mushroom game. I, I was sort of out of the hunting game because I was in you know corporate America and yep. I was thinking about my career and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, I was up there. I remember trying to scout some public land, but I was in my early twenties and. Uh, you know, when I was hunting, uh, hunt, when I would hunt as a kid, there was no strategy or tactics around it. It was right. like, go find a good tree and, 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 and just sit there all day. And, and it wasn't until later as I got older, when I discovered that there could be some strategy and tactics employed that I got back into it. And so I would say for the past better part of a decade or more, I've been uh, sort of hardcore about, you know, whitetails and elk and, and just, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. So you're now in Kentucky. What do you do for a living? So I'm in medical sales. I work for a small company out of California. Um, and the cool thing about being in sales is there's a lot of, there's a lot of autonomy and you, you know, I have the, the whole state of Kentucky and then part of Indiana and I get to see beautiful, you know, the beautiful country uh, that we have in this part of this part of the country. So, um, so yeah, I'm in sales and what do you uh, sell? I enjoy it. Um, it's, uh, cancer drugs. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, to, to the, you know, this, the health systems across, you know, this region. And, um, it really is just about bringing, you know, a lot of times people think sales is, can be kind of slimy, but really it's just about bringing value to people yeah. and bringing information. And you, you, you know, I learned long ago through, you know, by kick, getting kicked in the teeth that sales is not about you personally or what your goals are, or what your needs are. It's really about, the other person and uh, understanding what metrics they're measured on and then trying to align to that. So, uh, you know, so it took me a while to figure that out. And, but I used to think sales was just bothering people all the time and it's not that at all. So, so I really enjoy what I do and and I've sort of stuck with it for the, for, you know, gosh, 25 years. I'm, I'm I'm almost 49. So I'm getting really old. All right. And so now, you know, uh, when you were younger, you, uh, you mentioned you were trying to do, climb the corporate ladder. Are you making time now uh, over this last 25 years to get out in the woods and do some hunting? Yeah, you know, um, years ago, Dan, I saw an article, I mean, it was out, Outdoor Life or Field and Stream, and it was about hunting pronghorn out west. And like that sparked a fire in me and um so i I, like i said for the better part of a decade i've been trying to uh you know i've been hunting whitetails and sort of in a run and gun fashion but uh but also been going out west Mm -hmm. and a couple couple years ago i killed an elk in montana on a general tag with my bow and i told my wife then i was like you know i've got to do this sort of thing every year I, i mean i'm getting in my late 40s i mean you know, in, in a decade, Dan, it'll, it'll be gone like that. I'll be 60 years old and I'll yeah. be like, what did I do with my freaking life? Right. You know? So, so yeah, I have been making a lot of time cause I was in sort of the corporate game and, um, 
and, and, and really that's, you know, I did like flag football and, or, or intramural sports and fantasy football and all this other goofy stuff that didn't really mean anything. And then I found hunting again and, and now it's like the only thing I really want to do. So, yeah. um, but I, I remember coming back in from that Montana trip and I was like three days later, I was like bawling. I was curled up in a ball crying <laughs> to my wife how much I wanted to go back. It was like a life-changing experience. So, um, you, you know, some of us that do that, that Western thing, we, we, you know, we have that sort of experience and, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I want to change my life around those experiences. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. It, uh, it's almost like you, I just got done talking, you, you know, you're 40, almost 49. I just got done, done talking with a guy earlier this week who's 28 right or so basically 20 years younger than than you and he's just now bounced back into hunting and uh so one one of the things i really find interesting is uh, amongst all these uh, interviews that i do whether it's about hunting gear and equipment um or you know just a bs session with someone or a hunter profile uh, that I, I where i pull someone apart basically and talk about how they got involved into hunting the the foundation is that there's this like this passion that there's something about hunting and fishing that literally can like it just it just grabs a hold of you and it stays there it's not like i don't know it's not like a, a football team or a, let's say a sports team where well they're having a really bad year and I'm not going to watch their games next year or whatever because they, they got a bad year. Hunting, if the hunting's bad, man, I still want to go again. Uh, if the if the yeah. fishing's bad, I still want to go again. And there's something about it, and it just it changes people's lives for the better. And I just wish everybody could experience that. You know, my son will he's 14, and he'll say, "Dad, have fun hunting," and I'm like, "Grant, hunting isn't fun," <laughs> <laughs> and it's. And I think it's the difficulty within it that that makes it so rewarding. Yeah. I mean, if if I, um, I mean, we've all done difficult things. Maybe run, you know, five Ks or marathons or whatever, and and those are cool. But um, you know, there's just a different type of endurance with with hunting. Whether you're hunting whitetails or turkeys or elk or mule deer or whatever. I mean, I know you're on an endurance challenge of your own with, with mule deer. Yeah. And so, um, and you're not like going to fold, you know, fold the tent up and go home. You're like, I can't, I'm going back out after it. And yeah. I know you're going to, that, that, you know, that filling that tag is going to be that much sweeter when you do. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, so it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. And I wish I would have, I wish I would have woken up when I, in my early twenties instead of my late thirties or whatever. So, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. It's it sucks that you feel like you've had this wasted time. You know, you've wasted time doing something that you now love, and and you didn't know that you loved it as much back then because there was a whole bunch of other things in your life that you thought were a priority, but really <laughs> were just wasting time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it life takes you down different yeah. uh, avenues, and and for better or for worse. And you know, I yeah. You know, honestly, if it were up to me, I would have moved out west. I would have lived an incredibly selfish life. I might not be married or have kids, and, right. and you know, all those things are are uh, you know a real blessing. But 
but it's been good. I've been doubling down on, I mean, I, I got, I, I hunted elk in Pennsylvania uh, last year oh, and, wow. and that was incredible. And I've, uh, you know, a hunted, uh, I filled a tag with an incredible bull and, and I've been able to, you know, have other opportunities. I've hunted elk here in, in, in Kentucky and, and like I mentioned out West and, and so I continue to try to, to fill the bucket as full as it can be. And my wife is understanding because she, she sees that I, how much I support her in, in, in her endeavors. It's, it's, you know, it's like, what can I do to lift her up? And, and she knows how important this is to me. And so, and I, and I'm a good dad and a good father, and yeah. a good husband. So it's, I think she understands that it's not like I'm going uh, go, on big golf trips to get drunk all weekend or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So this though is the hunting gear podcast and you reached out to me and you, uh, uh, basically said, Hey man, I've done these reviews. I, you know, I do these reviews. I do uh, a whole bunch of different things in regards to, to hunting gear and equipment. And so obviously we have this passion for hunting, but why do you take that an extra step and talk a lot about, cause you have a YouTube channel, um, and you have, you know, you talk where you talk a lot about, you know, trying to find value for, um, the consumer, you know, by product comparison and things like that. And so, um, just why, why are you such a hunting gear nut? So, you know, Dan, I mean, you, uh, you know, this better than anyone over the past 10 years, the, um, the shift from you know, advertising dollars and magazines and the outdoor channel have shifted to YouTube and Instagram and all that. And right. so we have a, a lot of the, the cool thing is that we have a lot of companies with a, the awesome gear. Cause I used to have a 30 pound gorilla climber that was banging, you know, through the woods and announcing my presence. And so, you know, as you know, that has shifted now with, you know, our hunting content on YouTube and podcasts and all that, we have a lot more people saying, try this, wear this, do this. And, and some of this gear is incredibly expensive. Yeah. And so, and I've looked at hunt software as well, as well, and I'm just trying to find the intersection of value and performance so that, um, because I mean, there's, you know, there's Columbia and North face and Eddie Bauer and, and, uh, LL Bean and all these other brands that were such a niche that they don't market to us but I'm guessing they have gear that could help us. Yeah. And so, you know, like that, that, that's one of the recent things that I looked at were seven different puppy jackets and really taking them to through a temperature challenge in terms of how quickly they, what they could get my core temperature up and, and then looking at the, the, the sound and the composition, because we hear so much about uh, uh, synthetic down and, and then, down fill and down weight and it can be kind of confusing and so i wanted to sort of take a look at the you know these different uh jackets and just look purely at performance yeah. like and, I, and so that, that was one of the things that, that i that i've broken down and we can certainly go into that i i did do some uh the hunt map apps so the, the software platforms of uh, you know hunt stand hunt wise onyx go hunt um, base map and, uh, and Spartan forge. And, and really, again, tried to look for the intersection of value and performance for folks like you and I that hunt not only one state, but multiple states for different types of game. And so yeah. I just, 
it for me it's a creative outlet it's it's something that i'm very analytical in nature and it's just something that i personally enjoy doing um you know in, in my free time when i'm not hunting i'm obviously like most of us thinking about hunting so yeah it's really that's sort of the impetus behind it other than the puffy jackets in the um hunting app comparisons what other types of uh products have you like compared or reviewed so I was looking at, um, I did a, a review of nine different um, headlamps, um, looking for um, value in the, sort of the hunting headlamp space. I've looked at, uh, I've broken down nine different weather apps because there are some real junk weather apps that we download and we think that they're they're worthwhile. Uh, Dan, one of the weather apps that's free, that it will it will give you like and so like on your iPhone, Dan. Um, you, it comes with like a weather forecast tool, right? And, I have an um, I have an Android, so oh yeah, oh. so oh, okay. oh man, you're like oh, you're one of those oh. people. <laughs> it's like I'm white trash or something. <laughs> the way you said I have an Android, it sounded like you said I'm married. No, uh, my my eyes are up here, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, we have, we generally have some sort of weather app on our phone, but those weather apps usually just have one forecasting model and there's a billion different forecasting models, Dan, and how cool would it be to have a weather app that has six different forecasting models that you can look at simultaneously to look at the wind, to look at the temperature change, to look at precipitation. And I'll just share it. Like windy is an app that uh, and there's a couple other ones called like that that sound very similar but windy gives you those different models for free it uh gives you uh the uh, weather cams across the country for free so if you're traveling to to colorado you can just with a click of a button you can see what the weather looks like exactly in denver colorado or lincoln nebraska or wherever and so, you know, again, I'm just trying to find value for myself and, and sort of share it with others. And so, you know, the, the, there's junk weather apps like Weatherbug or, um, you know, there's other ones that are just looking for to, to take your money. But, you know, there were of the nine, there were three that I really liked. And Wendy is one of them. So, um, you, you know, another another thing that I looked at is um, the performance of Merino versus Silk versus Polyester. Um, gloves for early season archery and 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 what I found there was really interesting so you know I just kind of try to find things that are interesting to me and, and, and sort of put that out for you know the public to consume yeah. so so that kind of answers it but I'm going to ask the question anyway and maybe you can elaborate on it why are you doing all this I, I think you know it, it's more of, of, of just a creative outlet because I, I enjoy learning about the uh you know video editing and i'm trying to get better at that and maybe even uh start recording some of my hunts uh, i hope to go on an elk hunt this year and i would love to make a hunt film around that but it's um uh, it's just purely a creative outlet dan gotcha. it's uh yeah it's it's yeah, i wish it was more um elaborate of an answer that you know i'm an evil genius and i'm gonna take over the world and <laughs> but it's just um when i'm not like i said when i'm not hunting it's fun to 
to to dive deep in some of this hunting stuff. And uh, honestly, this is um, when I was a kid. I used to. This is. I'm going to get real nerdy here. I used to make cassette tapes about how I would caught bluegill or smallmouth or largemouth bass, like for nobody in, at all, just for my own purposes. It, it was, it was kind of weird, but I would, I don't know. I just like to, to collect that information and, and, and put it sort of so organize almost, it. And stuff. So almost like what a doctor would do or is like today is April 20th. <laughs> I caught four bluegill using a Mr. Twister and, or a bobber and worm. I caught this and like, so just like document via voice on a cassette tape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and, awesome. And like I, journaling. Yeah. As when I was in grade school and, and I don't even, um, you know, I, I had no intention. I don't know what I was going to do with it, but just at that time it was just, you know, so it's sort of the same thing. I haven't right. really changed much since, since grade school, Dan, I guess that's, I guess that's the bigger point. There. I haven't matured at all. I'll tell you <laughs> that right now. Uh, I still laugh at fart jokes or when my, my sons or daughters, you know, say something really stupid, I'll, I'll laugh at it. Uh, that's cause I've, I've, I'm only one step above ape. Like I'm not very like I, I laugh at those kind of things. So um, one one thing that comes up uh, in the the any any purchasing space, right? Any retail space, whether you're buying, especially in in, in our realm, it's the outdoors, um, hunting gear and equipment. Does, you know, th- through all of the uh, research that you've done on certain products, uh, do, do you feel that price reflects quality or do you feel that there are instances where people are potentially getting ripped off? So when I've done these reviews or looked at like the Hunt Map apps, I know that there that's a company of people, each of those six companies that are working hard to provide value for their customers. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe maybe they're a little off target or maybe they're focusing on a particular niche. And so I don't, you know, I don't ever disparage a company, whether it's like a First Light or a Sitka or a, you know, a Spartan Forge or a Hunt Stand or whatever, uh, because I know those people are working hard. I just think that we wanna belong in tribes mm-hmm. um, as, uh, I mean, we obviously wanna be in the hunting tribe, but you know, you've seen it, Dan, with. Uh, with different hunting gear, the, you know, lone wolf custom gear or tethered or what have you. And so when we, when we align with those tribes, sometimes we buy with our emotions. Right. And we, and we, and because we do that, we make assumptions about that gear. That's, that might be really darn expensive and maybe, maybe um, overpriced in the market marketplace. Okay. And, And so so, you know, like Lone Wolf Custom Gear makes amazing gear, and I, I would love to have some of that gear. But I, I I generally hunt out of a saddle. But, you know, if I were to look, go look into that space, I wonder if there's something that is of equal value or similar value with Novix or with, um, you know, Elevate tree stands or whatever. And because, you know, again, if, if I'm in if I'm in that tribe, though, I might just buy the latest and greatest thing that they put out and I might not view. So so to answer your question, I do think that certainly, you know, price can reflect, you know, value at times. But I think it's just important as, as hunters 
because we put so much emotion in our and what we do and how much we we love it and we you know are this the part of this the beginning of this interview we just talked about how mm-hmm. much you know it's life changing in some cases i think that we really just have to have a, a critical eye to see like what what you know what is the value that this piece of gear is going to provide so yeah. when i looked at the seven puffy jackets it was a a a, a, a sitka gear um jacket that the, the um Oh gosh, it was the Kelvin light mm-hmm. and uh, the first light Brooks down and then the um, the Kuyu Kenai and uh, and then it was a, a Columbia um, thermoball and then uh, uh, or no, the, 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 yeah, I think it was the thermoball and then there was a, a North Face jacket. I'd have to look at look at the sheet and then an Eddie Bauer and then um, and so, you know, I looked at those. And like I had my core temperature at 59 degrees. I was standing outside in a T-shirt and I had a remote remote, um, thermometer that, you know, when I got down to 58, 59 degrees, I would put one of those jackets on. And then for the next five minutes, I would measure the temperature change at one, two, three, four and five minutes. And, And so most of those jackets got me up to 69, 70 degrees. Uh, that the Sitka Kelvin light, uh, got me to 70. I remember the, uh, the Columbia, um, I'm sorry, the North face jacket got me up to 70 degrees, which was really surprising. And then the Eddie Bauer jacket, uh, I think it was the, the, um, Stratus. It got me to 70 degrees at minute four and maintained it at minute five. And so the composition of all those jackets was widely different. I mean, some of them were, uh, natural down plus a, a synthetic down. Some of them were only synthetic. Uh, one of them was 90% down with 10% feather. So it was all natural. Um, and then the Eddie Bauer jacket was a, a 650 fill jacket. Uh, it was 80% down, 20% feathers, and it outperformed the hunting jackets. And that Eddie Bauer jacket retails for $99. The Sika jacket retails for $359. And so, you know, I, you know, again, if I'm, you know, if I'm a hunter and I'm trying to figure out, you know, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, if you're going to Alaska, there may be more value in that Sitka jacket because of, you know, some of, you know, the, some feature that you like, uh, because it's part, it has a, some synthetic down, or maybe you want a, a, a jacket that's only synthetic. And so you want to spend a little more on a jacket that you believe in, but but for me, if I'm hunting out west or if I'm hunting whitetails here and it's a chilly November morning or I'm hunting elk in September, that Eddie Bauer jacket for, you know, was on sale for 50 bucks when I bought it. Mm-hmm. It was retail 99. Mm-hmm. I bought it for 50 bucks and it got me to 70 degrees at a core temperature in four minutes. And it so it beat every other jacket that I evaluated. And so so to answer your question, sometimes there is. You know, sometimes there, you, you what was it? Cry once, you know, buy once, cry once. Yeah, sometimes that that, that is the case, but other times it, it's not, and it just depends on the on the product category. Yeah, and I'll tell you what the 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 reason that you started doing this is the reason that I started looking outside of the hunting space for some of my my clothing options, and uh, it's not necessarily because uh, I don't. 
like the tribalism, I guess you would say, that comes along with, hey, I wear first light or I wear Sitco or I do this or I do that. Um, it, it was it was it was financially motivated, right? Because I looked at the exact same thing that you did. I was like, man, that's three hundred dollars for a jacket. And guess what? I do own that Eddie Bauer uh, jacket that you're talking about, and that is my insulation layer for whitetails and western hunts here in the you know uh, Midwest and out west. And so, um, wow, okay. Uh, and and so I I can attest that that's a badass jacket. And I can attest because I bought it for 80 bucks. Uh, I bought it, yeah, for 80 bucks in an Eddie Bauer store uh, on like a clearance rack or something. And it had a, uh, a retail price of like 100 bucks or something like that. And so I, I've had that now for a handful of years and it's durable and I take care of it and I can smush it all the way down to the size of a basically a softball. And, and I love that. But there's a lot of things. And so this is where, you know, if, if we're talking about value and performance, I can get, I get that. I can, I can say that Eddie Bauer jacket outperformed all these other jackets and it is much more affordable than some of the other jackets. And so my question, my next question to you is why do you think the, they're, they're probably all made overseas at some point, right? I, I don't know any brand that's 100% made in the uh, United States as far as clothing and apparel is concerned. Why do you think Sitka charges that much? Or why do, why do these other, quote-unquote, hunting brands charge way more for their product despite being outperformed, like, like in this example, outperformed by a non-hunting brand? So, uh, great question. And, um, you know, I mean, if you read the, 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 the information on the Sitka jacket, I mean, it, it's hooded, mm-hmm. uh, which the, the Eddie Bauer jacket is not. And, and, and I'm going to pull first light in here that, that jacket got me to, that jacket never got to 70 degrees. Yeah. Uh, the first light Brooks down, that got to sit the, the top most it could we get to was 66 degrees. And I'm not trying to to bash that brand or that company i'm just saying that the performance of that particular jacket i've got tons of sick gears tons of first light gear so i'm not you know they have made great products but that particular jacket was failed miserably i wouldn't even take it out that first light one but you know they they have these proprietary blends of down and a synthetic and you know they uh it didn't state it but i you know the the, the noise on the surface of some of these jackets was really loud and suggested that there was some sort of DWR finish to it, uh, like a rain, a water proofing sort of finish because the, the Sitka and, and the first light jackets were incredibly loud. I, I looked at the decibels of just a stick going across the sleeve. And, um, and so I don't know why they're so much more expensive. You know, my guess is that they're a for-profit company like most companies are. And, uh, like I mentioned, we buy with emotions a lot of times as hunters. We and belong to tribe. And those companies have nailed that down. They have they have figured out the whole. Hey, you want to you want to be cool? Wear this, you know. And then it's almost like, hey, I'm part of this club. The performance of the the actual product and i'm not saying that just about those those two specific brands because there's other brands out there 
that in the hunting space that do the same thing. We're cool. Come hang out with us, buy our stuff, and then you'll be cool like us. And that frustrates me. That real like that is a that's a a, tr- a triggering point for me. I, I would agree, and I look at um, like there are companies that are tripping over themselves to get into the tent space, uh, to get in other product categories. To I think, in my opinion, a little bit exploit hunters. Mm-hmm. I looked at headlamp performance, and there's a company that goes by the name of Peaks that sells a ninety dollar headlamp. It's sort of a, a tube headlamp. You know, you have sort of the traditional box style headlamp, uh, like the Black Diamond or a Petzl, and then you have these tube headlamps um, that are more new to the market. And uh, that thing is ninety dollars. And so I compared it to eight other headlamps, and I looked at you know, I dumped them all in a tub of water just to see if any of them would fail in, in a tub of water. And none of them did. The $10 uh, Amazon headlamp that looks almost exactly the same, Dan, it looks like it's manufactured in the same facility as the Peaks headlamp, performed as well, if not better, and it's $10. Yeah. And that, and that other headlamp was 90 and I and, it, and the only difference is that there's somebody – on a YouTube channel, a couple guys that I love to watch that are talking how great this $90 headlamp is. There's nobody talking about that $10 headlamp. And so, you know, and I looked at, you know, all the different factors. Does it lock? Does it, um, does it have a red beam? Does it, you know, what is the, the Lux, which is the amount of light that hits a certain spot. I bought a Lux meter to look at the Lux, uh, you know, you know, at 10 feet away, what's you know how powerful is that light and so and in my analysis the performance and value just wasn't there with a headlamp that's ninety dollars now the black diamond headlamp which was um i think in the 30 or 40 dollars incredible headlamp loved it not necessarily would i use it but i really like that headlamp it's a brand name but it it has a, a lot of capabilities that uh that i liked with it and so i agree there is a little bit of um you know where we we as hunters get raked over the coals sometimes if we're not careful yeah uh man i got a, uh, I have two i have two headlamps uh one is an Ener- energizer brand right i don't know why i bought it it was sitting there with the battery pack all combined into one and so i was like hey dude i'm just gonna buy this just in case i can i keep it in my truck um all the time and then i have a black diamond as well i think i paid 75 bucks for that one it's crazy good right but it runs out of batteries faster um because i think it just obviously it just takes more power to what i'm using it for like walking like out of the uh, you know out west you know when i'm traversing uh you know, steep inclines or declines. I want as much light as possible so I can see my footings. And meanwhile, the Energizer one, I mean, I feel like it lasts forever, probably because I'm using it less and it's not as as, as powerful. But uh, just kind of goes to show you that, could I get away with that Energizer brand? Yes, I could definitely. And and exactly what you said, I I went out looking for headlamps and I was like, man, that looks a lot like that Energizer brand. And it's probably another brand using the exact same thing. They're licensing the name and it's built in the same factory in China somewhere. And it's the exact same product. So 
I don't know. I I get a kick there, out of that stuff. It it's a you know it's a it, maybe it's not a secret, but it's a dirty little secret, especially with some product categories. Um, and you know the headlamps I was looking at, you know, a lot of them were at like a thousand lumens or eleven hundred lumens. I think that black diamond was. I'm looking at it now. It was four hundred lumens, and um, you know, I, and none of them were really bad. But again, it just goes back to what you as a hunter, how you want to spend your your hard-earned dollar. So. Right, right. Um, and so, and so far, do you feel do you feel that price does reflect quality? Then, I I don't know. I mean, it depends on the product category. I mean, it really does. I think. Like I'm, my next focus is, and, it, and this video isn't out, but because I'm working on it now, are these are bino harnesses, Dan? Mm. I mean, holy smokes, there's like a, it's the gold rush. There's mm. so many different versions of bino harnesses, and they're all priced, they're all kind of expensive, but they're you know some have some variability in that. Mm -hmm. And I've pulled in some uh, some cheaper ones because I really want to understand. Where is the value and performance intersect with bino harnesses? I mean, I have, I've had one for a number of years that, that is fine. It's okay. But now I'm going to look at uh, the new one from First Light. It's that just launched yesterday. I'm going to look at uh, the one from Sitka that they, the, the, the primary one that they have, the one from, um, uh, gosh, it not, uh, uh, marsupial gear, yep. I think is the name of the company. And the first light one is, is, is FHF gear, just to be clear. They, they bought that company years ago. So, you know, and then I'm going to look at Badlands and then a, a couple other ones. Mm -hmm. And I, and again, I just want to understand what is the noise factor? Can I fit all my, my wind checker and uh, range finder and all that stuff? And then when I, when I go to use it, is it going to be, is it going to work for me in a stalking situation or not? Or is it going to make a bunch of noise or, and so, you know, I want to sort of look at it from a whole bunch of parameters, but, um, you know, cost is one of them and, and some of them are really pricey, including that FHF gear one. Yeah. But, but again, I guess, I think, it, you know, like you just, you bought an e-bike and you've talked about that mm -hmm. and, you know, there are e-bikes out there that are 750 watt, uh, you know, whatever for a thousand bucks. And then you can go way high in that category with Baku or with uh, Quiet Cat or, you know, with some of those brands, there's, you know, some other big brands and you, you know, you can go, you can spend a lot of money on an e-bike, but, yep. but I, I don't know where, how, like what makes it, you know, a Quiet Cat different than a Rattan e-bike that's a thousand or a Baku, you know, that that's also pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, so I think it just depends on the category, honestly. Yeah. And, and I'll be completely honest with you, man. I, I was not going to be able to afford that, that e-bike if I had to pay full retail value for it. I mean, I, I, sure. I, I straight up new guy that worked there. I got an employee discount that's 50% off. And so instead of paying, I think it was like $6,500 for it, I paid $3,500 for it. And, mm -hmm. and so that's a gigantic discount you know, for me that on, on a product that I otherwise wouldn't have bought. Now, is it awesome? Yes, it's awesome. No, <laughs> like, like walking, walking, uh, six miles and riding a bike six miles in like one eighth of the time, you know, like up and down. And like when I was in uh, South Dakota this year, man, 
it's, it's just such a huge deal. I mean, I got back. I didn't see any mule deer, but I still got back there, right? And yeah. so it was, uh, it was interesting. Now, the, there is a, there is this conversation that every time I talk about this this topic, people say, you know, Eddie Bauer. These people may be against hunting, or mm. uh, you know, Columbia. These guys may be against hunting. I think. Um, Man, one of the bigger retailers, REI or I'm trying to think if it was REI or Backcountry. I can't. It was a brand like that. Basically, came out and was against hunting, right? And so now you have these brands that might be not necessarily for hunting yet. As a hunter, you're giving your dollars to them, right? For for yeah. nothing but added value. You know, nothing but a, a cheaper product, right? That may it may perform well, but your dollar is going to a company that doesn't support. Now we know that First Light uh, is a hunting brand, right? They support hunters. Uh, Sitka they support hunters. Both of those companies donate to conservation. Uh, both of those companies, uh, you know, are are a, a talk the talk and walk the walk type of company when it comes to uh, giving back to the natural resource that, that we all take away from every single year in, in many aspects. And so when it comes to making a decision based off that alone, what are your thoughts? It's a really good question, Dan, because, you know, I hear you. Like, uh, I think Jet Boil, the company that makes Jet Boil, isn't, right. isn't for hunting. But, right. you know, like MSR is a competing brand, and I think it does is okay with hunting or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and I have a jet boil, so I'm, yeah. you know, I'm a communist. But, um, <laughs> you asshole. But, you asshole. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an asshole. So, you know, um, here's what I would say is, you know, if you bought the Eddie Bauer jacket and you save 300 bucks or a couple hundred bucks or whatever, um, spend, put that money towards, um, you know, an, uh, Sportsman's Alliance mm -hmm. or how. You know, one of the or one of those organizations that is are fighting for hunter rights in our states where we're getting attacked. Right. So, you know, uh, Sportsman's Alliance is out of Ohio. I'm a I'm a member of that group, and you know, and, and I I would encourage folks to just if you feel bad about making that purchase from Eddie Power, um, you know, give some money to, to Sportsman's Alliance or Hal. Uh, Hal I think is out out west. And, and because we are under attack constantly. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yes, you know, First Light and Sitka and, and Kuyu, they support, you know, they, they put money back into conservation and those sorts of things. And, you know, part of the Pittman-Robinson Act is, you know, that our hunting gear is taxed and, and that money goes into conservation sort of indirectly yeah. when we make those purchases. But um, but I think that's how I would handle it, because at the end of the day, Dan, I mean, I have limited resources uh, for my job and my income, and, as do you. And um, and I just have to make the best purchase decision that that fits my needs and my family. I mean, if somebody is 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 really outspoken, like, uh, uh, you know, then I guess, you know, I probably would try to go a different direction, like if they were really outspoken against hunting. Yeah. and really create issues for us, then I would definitely avoid them. But like when it comes to some of the brands, I don't even, I don't really, they, I don't know if they've, they've communicated a stance. So for me, 
I, I think I'm okay with that. But maybe yeah. I'm, you know, maybe I'm a jerk. So. Well, at the same time, man, like at the end of the day, money is the ultimate factor, right? I mean, yeah. It, some people don't have X number of dollars to go buy the, the, the pop. How do I? How would I say this? How would I say? <laughs> People don't have the money to buy the Sitka or the First Lights of the world, but they do have the money to buy uh, a product that does equal, roughly equal, right? I know some conditions, wet conditions, or or the actual makeup of the material and things has a has a play in how um, things function in the wild. But uh, but you know the Eddie Bowers of the world, uh, you know it's it's cheaper, does the same thing. Like like how do you how do you say that? Like I, I don't even know how to say it other than, hey, man, it's cheaper but does the same thing, so just buy it. <laughs> it Yeah, it, it, it's, it goes back to I have to buy a new vehicle and sometime this year, and it's like, you know, do I buy American-made or do I buy something, you know, exactly. that's not American-made? And, it, and it's, it's, gotta, uh, it, it's a tough decision because you have to look at, like, well, what's the durability? What's the... You know, how long is this going to create a lot of problems if I buy this particular brand? Uh, and do I want to, again, go back into that tribalism thing where I yeah. need to be part of the Ford tribe or the Chevy tribe or whatever? So, you know, I think, you, you know, again, it just goes back to that product category. If, if, you know, Dan, I have a friend up in Alaska and there's a chance that I may go hunt Alaska um, in, a, in a couple of years. And if that's the case, then maybe, you know, I might take a more critical look at, at some of my uh, rain gear yeah. or the gear where I'm going to my synthetic, uh, you know, my, my sleeping bag. I'm, I might want something that's synthetic and I might want something that where I know it's been tested in those environments and I will be willing to spend more. But if I'm just going to be going, you know, walking 100 yards into the woods to hunt, you know, some farm or if I'm hunting, you know, run and gun here in Kentucky or even in, you know, uh, the mountains of montana i i feel like i can you know be okay with something that's not built for the most extreme weather and, and situation right um so i think i think everybody has to sort of make those decisions based on their personal situation but it's a tough question because again we want to support hunters we want to sort hunting brands people that build into us i mean they create incredible hunting content which i consume yep. so you know it's there's sort of a give and take there but but sometimes it does seem like the price the prices are a little out of whack, yeah. and so we have to vote with a vote with our dollar to to say, hey, that's that's not an appropriate price, um, right? And that's the only way we can do it. So, and this is this is what boggles my mind uh, on some of these uh, direct to consumer companies. Okay, is First Light still a hundred percent direct to consumer that you know of, or are they it, are they in stores now? You know, they switched to that, I think, um, a couple years ago to direct-to-consumer. And um, I, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think they are, uh, Kuyu is obviously the, yeah. sort of the original DTC. And then, um, but I think Sitka is in, in the Cabela's and Bass Pro Shop still. Okay, yeah, I know Sitka isn't. But uh, so this is what blows my mind about brands like Kuyu and First Light, right? And then you compare yeah. them to, uh, let's just say, a company like Sitka, which is not direct to consumer. They sell in retails, right? And the whole thing is, uh, the whole uh, motivation of direct to consumer is to, you know, like, hey, there's no middleman, 
right? We're, right. we're selling our product directly to you. And therefore the attractiveness is our margins don't have to be, you know, our, our final product doesn't have to be as, as expensive on a, a consumer level because we're not having to resell it again to make our profit. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but, but what I've started to find, and this is especially in the hunting space that that's not the case, right? Their, their product, like Kuyu's product and First Light's product, I would say are at the same price point uh, as those two companies are direct to consumer as a Sitka lineup. And you can say this about any category in any brand, trail cameras are another one, right? Uh, where th- the price for a direct to consumer is... Uh, like the benefit, there's like a risk versus reward. The risk is if I buy direct to consumer, something doesn't fit, I have to send it back. Now, if I go to a store, I can try it on right then and there, and I don't have to do any of that extra stuff. I just can buy it because I know it fits. And so, but now the price point's the exact same. So the attractiveness of something being direct to consumer just isn't there anymore. I would agree. I, um, and, and you're going to, I think this podcast is going to make sure that I never get sponsored by any big <laughs> brand. Because, eh, whatever. <laughs> um, and that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. That's why I'm doing this for fun. Uh, not to create another job for myself, but I, um, the, I had an experience with first light. I ordered a vest from them a, a couple years ago and they were, and I was like, Hey, this is too big. I need to size down. And they were like, okay, well, Here's the address. And I'm like, well, is there a shipping label? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, you don't have a store for me to try it on. I can't just, you can't just give me a shipping label. So it was an additional 12 bucks to send back. And that really, you know, that was irritating. Now, I'll be honest with you. I still buy some of their gear. I have a bunch of their uh, Merino stuff and um, other items. I don't have anything against them personally, but I do agree that the, the, DTC can model while it's like, Hey, we're cutting out the middleman so we can give you a better deal. It doesn't necessarily translate into a better deal for, for you and I, it seems like it's, uh, especially when you see, like if we were to do optics, like I know Maven optics is a DTC optics, whereas, um, you know, you have vortex and you have loophole. It would be interesting to sort of see them side by side. And, and that's probably not something I'll be doing, but yeah, but looking at, you know, the clarity of something from Loophole uh, and, and uh, Vortex and then Maven and also sort of the price points to see if like, oh, wow, the Maven is because it's just DTC, it's it's significantly better. Uh, it's in another tier or is it yeah. just as good as, as some of the other ones? So, yeah, like like if you were to compare it to Swarovski's instead of. Yes. Yeah. Right. They're, and that's what I heard about Maven was they're like the sort the the, the direct to consumer version of Swarovski's. And so I probably said that name wrong. But anyway, uh, I'm interested here uh, in, the, you know, to, to finish out this podcast here. I'm interesting to know how you uh, went about comparing the hunting apps to each other and, and came up with the end result there because. Um, there is a lot of really cool things that I know things like uh, hunt stand are doing and, uh, what's the other one? Uh, gosh, I, I should know this. Uh, I just talked with the guy the uh, other day. Um, 
Uh, Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge. Yeah, Spartan Forge. Yeah. Uh, what what they're doing as well. I mean, they're doing some really cool things. Uh, what apps did you compare to each other? Uh, how did you compare them to each other? And then what was the end result? So um, I looked at Basemap, Go Hunt, and and Basemap's been around for a little bit. Go Hunt is uh, you know that Western. They're out of Las Vegas, and they have an insider thing yep. platform for people. And so they they went into to mapping yep uh hunt hunt stand hunt wise which are both a little confusing on x and spartan forge and then i recently i'm going to be rolling out a video that looks at gaia gps okay. now gaia isn't isn't a hunting platform per se but i wanted to see how it compared to see if i could use it as a hunting platform and so i looked at um you know the free trials the an, the annual price for 50 states the you know the uh can you download the maps and what how much of how much can you download um the download style is it dynamic or is it static the uh tracking feature the waypoints the do they have a 3d desktop um i looked at all the layers and on i have on my instagram profile dan i have cheat sheets for pretty much every analysis that i've done so that you can print it off and see everything that i've shared and studied so because this, you know, the, the the mapping thing, there's so many layers with some of these platforms, like it's it's extensive. And so, I looked at and I gave each layer a rating. I gave um, the uh, I looked at the waypoints and gave that that a rating. And I gave I looked at the type of topo mapping, uh, or topographic mapping, and I looked at the tools and gave that a rating as well. And so. Um, the uh what was interesting is that um you know some of them had uh and again i guess i should state this i was looking at it from the standpoint of someone like myself that hunts many states locally Mm -hmm. in the midwest or south and then somebody that goes west right you know can i use it for both and so you know the, the final scores and i'll just share them right now i mean um I'll start with from worst to first. Um, let's see, the, coming in last, and, and this was, you know, I'm not trying to disparage this company, but Spartan Forge came in, in dead last. They scored a 32 out of a possible 80. Now, I know they've made some updates. They've added 3D desktop. They've added a shading tool. They have 3D now on their handheld. But, but at the time, they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And, and and they did they don't have hunt units out west i think they're starting to add that um they didn't have a lot of things that the other platforms had and so they finished last um out of then, curiosity uh, out of curiosity did you uh, compare the forecasting because i think like uh i think the main the main feature that or what they advertise uh on uh, Spartan Forge is the the deer movement forecasting, kind of like DeerCast, and uh, I think HuntStand, yeah, HuntStand has some some stuff like that as well. Yeah, so um, I I included those features as as a, an additional benefit. Okay, but I you know if you're in the mapping game and you're 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 doing waypoints and you're doing public land and private land and and topographic layers and, and if you're in the hunting game then i included you in the evaluation gotcha and 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 and, and so you know i um 
you know, the gentleman that, 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 that the founder, he reached out to me and we, we sort of exchanged notes. And, and again, I, I know that they're going to evolve into something different, but that at the time they're thirty nine ninety nine, and they're and they, I understand they're, they have the deer prediction model, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I get that, but so do other platforms. And I know, understand there's probably differences there, but um, if you're going to be selling the mapping feature, you know, and in my analysis, I included you. So, um, and, but they do have some tools that I really do like, and I do note that in the videos and in, and in the spreadsheet, um, you, the go hunt, uh, platform came in, uh, fifth and scored a 53 it's, it's geared really for that Western hunter. It's not designed for me to use in the East and in the West per se. It, it, it didn't, it had some holes in its game. Um, base map scored a 55 it came in uh fourth and then um hunt stand and on x uh both sort of tied for second uh i was blown away like by hunt stand for 30 bucks you get an incredible amount of value i mean they they have daily satellite images or not daily monthly satellite images in hunt stand which is 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 i thought was fantastic but hunt wise won the competition it scored 69 hmm. and it just was so robust in terms of layers tools features and waypoints for someone that hunts in the east and the west right. it, it was very versatile as a platform so um you know I, i'm again gaia i was i've been looking at it and and it performed pretty well but uh but it's it, it still you know it was sort of at the back of the pack so right but it was a lot of fun to really break that down because you sometimes you feel like a hunting map app is a hunting map app but if yeah. you want to use it in the way that you hunt there are there are a lot of differences yeah um did you happen to break it down by ease of use and what i mean by that is from the time it takes to open the app to the time it takes to start using it um how many touches or clicks or swipes uh what was the most uh, i guess e- had the best ease of use you know, I, I that is is I didn't really include that because I know I'm very biased because I, I have used Onyx for so long. Yeah, and and I tried to cons- I, I consumed every sort of YouTube video that each of these platforms put out there so that I understood how Hunt Stand worked mm-hmm. or how Hunt Wise or Spartan Forge even. Yeah, and because I I, I did want to give each of them a fair shake. I think if you you and I played around with them enough, Dan, we'd probably be pretty fluent with any of them. Yeah. I'm sure there's some, I mean, there are, there were some things with, with hunt stand that I didn't love from an interface standpoint, but, but all told, you know, I think if you play around with them enough, you sort of, it's like speaking a, a new language sort of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, um, so, so they all did, you know, they were, they were all pretty user-friendly in that, that capacity. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Uh, any any interesting finds in that uh, in that study that you're like, holy cow, this is cool. With the um, uh, with the mapping, yeah, the mapping apps. Well, you know, some of them have um, a, a full tilt 3D, and some of them only do a 30 degree tilt when you're yeah. doing 3D. And I thought that that was kind of interesting. Um, you know, the base map doesn't allow you. Um, and this is going to bother, this is going to hurt you, Dan, but base map doesn't have 3d on an Android devices, only on Apple devices. 
Sons of bitches. <laughs> so, Those sons yeah, I, I know. Oh, all right, whatever. They, they, <laughs> they, they don't even have, Basenet doesn't even have 3D on the desktop. They just have it on your Apple phone, which I thought was sort of backwards. Huh. But uh, the, um, you know, I think there's, uh, I'm trying to look through some of my notes right now because it's been a while since I did this one. But uh, the base map um, didn't do really well, but they did have this feature where it's sort of like a range finder. Like, let's say you see, let's say you're out west and you see a shed across a canyon, or um, maybe you shot, you know, a, a bear or a, a, a something across a canyon with your rifle. You can, you can use the range finder tool on the app, lock it in, and then it'll create sort of a, a trail up to it on, on your app, oh, so cool. that you're like. Now, it might not be the the best route, but it gives you like, okay, now as I hike down the canyon and back up, I can look and see, oh, I'm 100 yards away from that shed antler or my buck or whatever. Yeah. And I thought that was a really neat tool. And I think we're going to see more and more of those things integrated with all the platforms. It's it's like a lot of things, what, what once was really new and innovative, eventually all of them will have and adopt and then the baseline sort of goes up. But but I thought that was a neat feature. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. One of the last questions I have for you is after doing all these reviews, um, have you learned anything about maybe yourself uh, and how you make purchasing decisions on your hunting gear and equipment and how uh, that could that could translate into things that others should keep an eye out when making hunting gear purchases? I was going, I was so hell bent on buying a new bow this year, Dan. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have a, a, a Hoyt Vector, it's 10 years old, and I was hell bent on buying a new bow. And I, I just was like, I'm going to get one. I got to get one. I have to get one. It's uh, the technology is so different. And yet I, I shot incredible with that bow last year. And I decided, I talked myself off the ledge and bought a new um, a new sight pin that has third axis adjustment and uh, and then I bought new cables and strings and and it shoots lights out and, and I don't and I and I bought a a few years ago I bought a bow press and so what I would just encourage everybody to do is just step back and think about like instead of buying a new bow maybe buy a new buy a bow press and become your own bow shop and then you can have a bow for you know, a decade that shoots lights out that, and you don't have to sort of quote unquote upgrade because, you know, there's a new Matthews or a new Hoyt or whatever. Uh, it's if, if you shoot well with it and if you try to get yourself out to longer distances, you'll figure out what, what you're doing wrong with your form or what you need to tune, then, you know, you can save yourself some coin. And again, like we opened up this interview, spend time, spend money on tags and going out West right. and, in experiences and not two grand on a new bow setup. So, yeah. um, so I would just, that's sort of what I've learned about myself in terms of my, you know, I talked myself into it unknowingly and then I had to talk myself out. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, cool, man. Uh, well, we're gonna, we're gonna close her down here. Any other cool, uh, bits of information you'd like to share with uh, the listeners of this podcast today about the stuff that you've been been doing um i mean i you know i'm on instagram it's j underscore coons underscore hunts that's the same tagline for uh youtube j underscore coons underscore hunts if you go to my instagram page there's a link in my profile 
and you can find all of the the research sheets there for free you can find links to the youtube channel um but again i just i'm not doing this to be uh mean <laughs> or disparaging to you know the sick is their first lights of the world i'm just trying to find value in performance right. for myself and I, and I just like to share it because of, like I said it's a creative outlet but um, but yeah you know um, I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to talk about this stuff Dan and and uh, hope to have you know continue to pump out more stuff as I find things that are interesting to me so absolutely absolutely well I tell you what Jacob man I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with me for a little bit uh, thanks for your time and good luck this upcoming season you as well thank you Dan Thank you.